Welcome to Lessons in Leadership. We're coming to you remotely, but our content is just as strong. And as always, I'm joined by my friend and colleague and the co-host of Lessons in Leadership, Mary Gamba. Mary, how are we doing today? It's a really good day, Steve. How are you? Doing great. I'm thinking about innovation, disruption, and the fact that all of us are living through COVID-19, trying to make sense of it. We'll be joined by our good friend, Kevin Slavin, the CEO and president of St. Joseph's Health in a moment. Mary, tell folks where they can find Lessons in Leadership other than on News 12 Plus. Sure. Uh, they can find Lessons in Leadership on Spotify. They can subscribe on Apple Podcasts as well as on Google Play and also at a variety of websites, our own at stand-deliver.com, nj.com, Best of NJ, News 12 Plus's website. So uh, pretty much anywhere they can find us. And finally, the folks who sponsor. Definitely. So we have Valley Bank, Gibbons PC, uh, Prager Metis, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. Yep, I promise we don't plug the whole time. We actually Just a do little bit. <laughs> we actually do content that's relevant. And in that spirit, uh, talking about innovation and disruption, uh, we welcome in our good friend, Kevin Slavin, who is president and CEO of St. Joseph's Health. He is a fan. I want to clarify something. He is a fan of Seton Hall basketball, which we hope is coming back. But there's a, is there a Rutgers connection as well, Kevin Slavin? Yes, sir. I'm a graduate of Rutgers along with my son and my father. So we have split loyalties in the family. Hold on, Kevin. You and I have seen each other. We've been right there at Seton Hall Rutgers games. I know what hat I'm wearing, what jersey I'm wearing. What about you? Uh, we wear red that day. Blue <laughs> on other games. He does. I've seen it. Well, my Kevin, wife wears blue. <laughs> where, what is it? My wife wears blue, and I wear oh, red. How diplomatic. I love that. Kevin is a, loves basketball, and, and we hope and pray that not only sports come back, but they do it in a safe way. And speaking of that, Kevin, let's put this in perspective. You're not only the head of St. Joseph's Health, you are the chairman of the board, the board chair of the New Jersey Hospital Association, which represents a whole range of hospitals across the state, right? Absolutely. All the hospitals. I took that uh, over in January and in the inauguration, I, you know, my speech to the industry, I made a prediction. I said, uh, we have many challenges to get through together this year. And I said, I'm quite sure there's going to be one or two that we don't know about as I'm standing here today that will challenge us, not knowing that this would happen, so. So put it this way, St. Joseph's is a safety net hospital. You serve the most vulnerable populations, right? That's one of the reasons, and also being the head of the hospital association, the chair. I, I saw you there right there with Governor Murphy and Commissioner, Commissioner of Health, Judy, Judy Persichelli, at several, uh, at the press conferences. Let me ask you this, what is the biggest disruption that has taken place in the world of healthcare in the advent of COVID-19? Uh, it's COVID-19 itself. It's certainly been the biggest disruptor in any of our careers. We were all trying to process the different disruptors that were coming into healthcare, Amazon, Walmart, others, and then this happened. It certainly stopped in its tracks any and all plans that we had as we focused on the pandemic and the crisis in our communities and to protect our employees and get people back to health. Put it in perspective, Kevin, there are different hospitals in different communities. You're in Patterson right now. Um, yes. I know that hospital well. We've done leadership development and coaching um, for and with St. Joseph's with nurses and physicians and staff. So we've worked together for many years, but it's not just in Patterson, right? There are other campuses. Absolutely, we have a campus in Wayne, the former uh, St. Joseph's Wayne Medical Center. We have a long-term care facility. So we went through it with long-term care and many ambulatory facilities, which obviously were closed, but also physician offices that stayed open during this to, to serve patients in an appropriate manner. 
So let me ask you, and Mary will jump in in just a second. I, I want to I put this in perspective. We're, we're doing this, and let's be totally transparent here. We had a studio. We tape at NJTV Studios in Newark. We tape at WNET Studios in New York, the Lincoln Center Tisch Studio. So our world, our normal world, is in a studio. Um, we're now doing this remotely out of my home, Mary's home, you're in your office. We're innovating and changing, but we're not dealing with life and death, right? What are the biggest innovations that will take place moving forward, not just in the world of hospitals, but in healthcare overall? Well, we've seen a uh, explosion of telemedicine right out of the gate as we realized people needed to get that care, particularly for their physician offices. So. Uh, prior to March, St. Joseph's was doing very minimal uh, telemedicine. We're now up to 10,000 visits a month. I know 10,000? Yes. Uh, call I had, I was on with other New Jersey and New York leaders with uh, Health and uh, Human Services Undersecretary Eric Hargan. He said pre COVID nationally, Medicare was uh, seeing about 11,000 per month. They're now up to 650,000 per month. So. This is an area, this is a phenomenon that certainly uh, this pandemic has advanced that technology two or three years beyond where we thought. I think in a positive way. Uh, we've seen many people, physicians and patients who actually like that. They didn't think they would like it. They tried it. They said, hey, this is convenient. I can pop onto my phone or my iPad. I can see my doctor for appropriate things. Obviously, you have sure. that. So I think that's only going to continue. Okay, let me ask you this, because what, what I mean by transparency is right, right before we got on the air, there were some technical issues on my end. And the reason I'm sharing that is because that's part of remote communication. How have you and your colleagues, because I know you're running meetings, there are presentations, you're doing all kinds of things. You're doing it remotely, but you're in the office right now. Some people are in their homes. How has that been for you to stay connected with your team? Uh, that was new to us at St. Joseph's because we did, had not done a lot of video meetings and calls. We were more of an in-person type uh, leadership team. So we had to adapt to that quickly and continue that on. And uh, that was a challenge. You know, I personally reached out to a few friends and colleagues of mine who had remote type responsibilities around the world. Uh, one of my uh, college roommates manages workforces in India and Argentina. So I learned from him how they do that more effectively. Um, and we ramped up and uh, it's been a change. And uh, again, certain things have worked. We found that certain things have worked better, actually. It's more efficient. It's, uh, we can get things done quicker. And uh, we're not looking to go back to the way things were. We're looking here at St. Joseph's. We have a plan that says the road forward, um, that the new normal in healthcare and leadership is going to be different than it was. Uh, for example, we had to move with much greater speed in the decision-making that we made because of the crisis period. Uh, the Commissioner of Health asked us all to double the capacity of our critical care and our inpatients in a short period of time. And we had to do that uh, very rapidly and use some innovative innovation techniques that we had been uh, learning and actually said, this is a better way to move. We can move faster. We know we're gonna make certain mistakes. Uh, but you will advance quicker if you uh, learn from those mistakes and move forward. So it's so important. Mary, jump in here. Yeah, talent development, I know, is a huge thing, and especially with physicians and dealing with so many things changing so fast. How do you ensure that the physicians and other staff that are dealing with patients on a daily basis, how are you communicating and getting that information out to them in real time 
and making sure that they're really buying into this uh, new reality. Uh, Steve and I have been using that expression instead of new normal, but how do you get them to buy into that and make sure that they're getting the development that they need? Uh, that's, that's a great point. Uh, that's another area we've changed and we're gonna, we're gonna keep what we put in place in, into the future. So we obviously ramped up our communications um, on a daily basis. We had a command center that leadership tapped into every morning 24 seven. We had calls on that so everybody was up to speed, but also put in place routine employee town calls. So all employees three times a, a day on certain days could call in, get, get updates from leadership, ask questions, get them answered in real time. Did that with our physicians, uh, with our management, with our board. We went to weekly calls with our board of trustees so everybody could just stay as up to date on all the different uh, things that were happening. So Kevin, let me follow up on, the, on Mary's question. Um, again, Stan delivers all about leadership development. It's what we do and Kevin knows it well. Um, we also have a Physician Leadership Academy that we're doing in cooperation with Hackensack Meridian Health that you know well. There's clearly yes. a relationship there. Why do I mention it? Because I'm curious about your perspective of physicians who are great clinicians, great surgeons, great bedside manner. They now move into leadership positions where they have to coach and mentor and make tough decisions and sometimes get people not that thrilled with them because they do that. They have to communicate and present. I don't want to get into all the details, but how challenging is it to help develop physicians? And by the way, some of the St. Joseph's physicians are in that leadership academy. How do you help them develop to be the best they can be as leaders, not just as clinicians? Exactly. It, it really pointed to the need to, uh, for us as soon as we possibly can to ramp up those efforts for leadership development, for physicians, uh, managers, directors. We saw, like many other of my colleagues during this period, during the crisis, uh, different leaders, different physicians step up and the spot, when the spotlight was on, they performed in ways that we never saw before. Uh, we also saw certain people who did not want to step up. There it uh, is. You know, went what we call MIA, which was that was their decision um, for whatever might have been personal reasons or health reasons. Some of them are fearful as well. Fearful. So we understood that, you know, they weren't, uh, you know, disciplined in any way. But, you know, you really saw the lead that the, the emerging leaders emerge clearly and the need to really now invest in them so they can take that next step in their careers. Last question for you, Kevin. Lessons in leadership is based on at least the lessons I've learned and my, my, my clients as well, and the, often from mistakes I make, I learn. What would you say the number one leadership lesson you have learned as we tape this late June, be seen later, as it relates to COVID, the number one leadership lesson you've learned in your very challenging position is what? I would say clearly that relationships and trust that you develop in your career with colleagues, even competitors, uh, have definitely ca helped carry me through this, both not just here at St. Joseph's, but in my role at the Hospital Association. Being able to uh, go back to relationships or, or rely on them with other leaders, including uh, someone who I worked with early in my career, Peter Banco at St. Clair's, he was in Colorado. We were conversing over this during the period. Um, as we were in our crisis, he said to me, you know, in Colorado, we're not seeing the peak here. I have some ability to send you some nurses. Um, huh. Could you use them? I said, we sure can. So he, his system sent us 34 nurses that 
we actually shared with the other Catholic hospitals. That was, but that was based upon a long-term relationship that was maintained and developed. So I say that's a lesson. I'm sorry for interrupting, Kevin. That's part of the communication issue. One, a mutual friend, Annette Catino, who has been close to Kevin for years. We actually talked the other day. A former board member of ours, a, a friend, a client, a great leader, if you will. I've learned so many lessons in leadership from Annette. The the things that always struck me about her, she's tough and strong. And in leadership positions, we have to be tough and strong. So my real final question is, how do you manage your own emotions and your own fears in the midst of this? And the uncertainty that is- it was, it was, There were days where it was difficult. In the peak, as we didn't know what the next day was gonna bring, um, I realized that I needed to focus on our leadership team to keep them strong and refreshed. So I made sure that everybody got their days off and got their respite, if you will, so they could come back recharged and really was something I had to intentionally manage uh, because we have a, a very dedicated team here that otherwise would not have taken a day off. So I, I followed that as well, made sure that I had certain days that I could take off and come back and be yep. recharged. One of the chapters in Lessons in Leadership, Mary, is you can't lead others. Until you learn to lead yourself. Yeah, Kevin has said it so well. And, and uh, Kevin, most importantly, um, on behalf of Mary and I and our entire production team at Lessons in Leadership at Stand and Deliver, we want to thank you not just for joining us today, but to you, to the physicians, to the nurses, to the frontline healthcare workers, talk about leadership. For everything that you've done to date, that they've done to date and that you will be doing in the future because we, we can talk about it and analyze it. They're living it every day. Thank you, Kevin Slavin. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, Mary. It's our pleasure. That was Kevin. That has been Kevin Slavin, who is the president and CEO of St. Joseph's Health. Also, he is the New Jersey Hospital Association board chair and a great friend of a uh, great friend of the show. I'll get that out. We'll be right back right after this. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is brought to you by Gibbons PC, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership. Steve Adubato here with my colleague, Mary Gamba. Mary, I'm sorry I dominated that interview with Kevin That's Slater. all right. I, just, I was so caught up in it. We've had so many, again, I tell folks, we bring on a lot of friends and folks we've worked with, and I've been working with Kevin Slavin for years and the, and the physicians and the nurses and the team at St. Joseph's and also Tom Casey, who heads up, talk about communication, right? Tom heads up marketing and communication. Mm -hmm. What was your biggest takeaway from Kevin Slavin? I am fascinated by all the healthcare workers, everything from corporate down to the people that are literally on the ground every day, saving lives, their level of just compassion, empathy, uh, the majority with no regard to their own health and well-being, other than of course wearing masks and face shields, but they run into that fire every single day, not knowing um, if they're gonna get infected, especially at the beginning of this, when we weren't quite sure how COVID was spread and how contagious it was. It, it's yeah. just impressive and it's humbling. Um, and I thank, I thank all the healthcare heroes that are out there. 
You know, you were part of a seminar we did the other day. Um, by the way, you want to let, remind people before we get into this, how people can find us and who funds us. Yeah, definitely. So you can find us on our website, stand-deliver.com. You can also follow Steve at Steve Adubato, PhD. Uh, that's on, on Facebook. And then on Twitter at Steve Adubato, that's A-D-U-B-A-T-O. And I'd love to thank our great funders, uh, our underwriters. We've got Gibbons, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, and the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 825 who make this all possible. By the way, I wish we had an icon that I could find that had a big dollar sign. I, know. <laughs> I have to find it. I, have, I, know. I know this one. I have the clapping yeah. and I've got the thumbs up. I got to find I'm just surprised one. that uh, Zoom has not come up with other reactions to put up on screen. They just have the thumbs up and the applause. So I'm sure that's coming because I know there's a lot of other reactions we'd love to put up some days. Yeah. And all of them are very appropriate. They're all very appropriate. PG, is that what we're going to call it? Yeah, we'll call them PG. So let's do this. Uh, the other thing about um, healthcare workers and leadership and hospitals and leadership is this. You and I were involved in a, in a seminar the other day where one physician leader said to us that one of his people, a clinician, a professional, a professional frontline healthcare worker, quote, said he or she, I'm not going to say what it was, who he or she was, or whether it was a man or a woman. Um, did not want to go in and treat, refused to actually go in and treat some patients. And that leader that we were working with said that leader had to make a decision that you can't be with us. Right. Not in this war. Did he use the word war, right? He did, yes. It's a war. You can't. I res and by the way, this person had no underlining health considerations. That person just said, I'm not doing it. I refused. And that person was, quote, escorted off the bus to use the Jim Collins phrase and good to great that we use a lot on the show. Sometimes some people can't and or won't do it. Yeah. And then you do. And I'm not going to criticize because I'm not on the front lines. Sure. Sure. No. And uh, I, and you do, you have to make those tough decisions. And at the end of the day, I think it's much better even for that employee. Obviously they were not in the right line of work. Yeah. Tough calls. Um, let, let's switch gears. We're yeah. about to go to an interview with Dr. Ali Hushman, who is the president of Rowan University. And um, as you watch this interview with Ali Hushman, just realize this, he's not only a college president, he is a fascinating business person. He's an entrepreneur. He's innovative and creative. A lot of that interview, Mary, I don't want to take anything away from what people are about to see on Lessons in Leadership. Basically, Dr. Hushman said, innovate or die. As yeah. a professor, we don't, we don't mean actually death, uh, to the person, but you will die as a leader and you will die as an organization. Is that too dramatic? It's not, especially we just talked about healthcare and now we're switching over to higher ed. And in this changing world, you must evolve because the status quo is never good enough. Hold on. What about if someone says, it's interesting, let's, let's talk about higher ed and, and disclose on your end that you have higher ed interesting concerns with your son, Will. Definitely. Well, because how about if the university that he was going to said, we're going to keep the status quo? Yeah. Is that an option? It's not an option. There's too many risks. There's too much uncertainty. And the key is to communicate, communicate, communicate. There's emails coming out every day, uh, updates coming out every day based on new information, and most importantly, based on facts. What about, but here's the thing. What about if a college or university doesn't know? Our son, Nick, who actually is a production assistant on the show, handles a lot of the technical difficulties out of our home, um, along with, by the way, we should mention Elvin and Frank, who are just, um, Elvin Badger and, and Frank Brown, who are just extraordinary at running the, the operation. Uh, Elvin is our director and 
Frank handles every audio issue you can imagine. Um, but Nick works with, works with us on this end. He's going into his senior year. And the reason I mention it is he's supposed to be going to a state college as part of a high school college program in the fall. It's Montclair State. And they don't know where they're going to be. So how can you be transparent, Mary? How can you communicate so openly when a lot of what you're communicating is we don't know? You say so. You say we are not 100% sure where things are going to be, but we're going to continue to reevaluate and we'll continue to keep you informed as we make decisions. We'll let you know what those decisions are because just staying silent and saying, oh, nothing's going to change. It's like burying your head in the sand and it's not going to help. But along those lines, even for our own organization, and by the way, Ali Hushman, Dr. Hushman, who you're about to see, um, and I've taught at Rowan and I've taught a combination of in-person. Remember, I used to go all the way down to Rowan. I loved mm -hmm. it down there. And then I did it remotely. And it is different. And it was the first remote teaching that I did. And I'm going to admit, I don't think I was very good. But You've what, come a long way. You've come a long way. Well, I'm, I'm not looking to get a compliment, but explain to folks, other than making a lot of mistakes and learning, how do you come a long way when it comes to this technology, whether it's teaching, running a meeting, making a presentation, whatever. Yeah, you need to get educated. You need to learn. You need to read. You need to look at the best practices. And most importantly, you need to practice doing it. You need to practice looking into the camera. You need to practice being aware of your lighting, being aware of changing and adapting your curriculum. If you're talking about teaching a class, if you're leading a meeting, you need to limit the number of people that are going to be in that meeting, especially in a remote setting. So it's really important to continue to learn and just don't say, ah, I've been doing it this way forever, so I'm going to stick with it. Yeah, last question on this, Mary, about learning. We've we said this to folks before. You were not trained to be an on-camera on, on or on-air broadcaster. You've adapted, right? But we really started to get our mojo, if I can use that term, face-to-face -face in a studio. You're right there and I'm right there. There's body language. We're playing off of each other. Then all of a sudden, we're doing this. What has that been like for you? It's been an adjustment. At first, I wasn't sure how it was going to work. Uh, now I love it because, as you know, one of my biggest, biggest demons is traffic in New Jersey. So I love it. You because love I the do... Garden State Parkway. I love the Garden State Parkway. <laughs> one day I'm going to do the math of how many hours I spent on that road and along with so many others watching. But for me, it's been, okay, yeah, you know, is it ideal? No. Do I prefer to be in studio to watch body language and you and I feed off a lot, you know, a lot easier off of one another? But you adapt and you grow and you learn. And like you said, thanks to our friends, you know, Elvin and Frank, our audio engineer and our uh, director, we've really come a long way. And the other thing about that real quick is we've learned from Elvin, we've learned from Frank, because they're experts and leaders on their end about how to make video, how to make television work in all kinds of settings. And the truth is, one of the things I've had to learn is you better humble yourself as a leader. You better know what you don't know and find people who know what you don't know and listen. And that takes a significant amount of humility, which is easy on my part because there's so much I don't know. <laughs> so again, shout out to Frank, to Elvin, to our son, Nick, um, to you, Mary. This has been a Lessons in Leadership. I want to thank everyone for joining us. You can find us again. You can see us every Sunday News 12 plus at mm -hmm. 10 o'clock. Yep. And also on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Business and Industry Association, ROINJ.com, Meadowlands Chamber. I also want to thank uh, Valley Bank, International Union of Operating Engineers, Gibbons, and Pregramedis. I'm Steve Adubato. That's Mary Gamba. This has been Lessons in Leadership. Thanks for joining us. Check us out next time. 
Talking about leadership, this is a guy who lives it, thinks about it, writes about it, talks about it, and does it every day. This is Ali Hushman, Dr. Ali Hushman, who's the president of Rowan University. Ali, how you doing? I'm doing very well, sir. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing okay. Listen, I've got to ask you this. As we're, we're taping this, it'll be seen on our Lessons in Leadership program at a later date. But as we tape this program in mid-May, what's the number one leadership challenge you have faced as the president down there at Rowan? Well, obviously, this pandemic is is on the top of the list, if not the the, the 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 biggest the biggest challenge, and it is a global challenge. So we have faced it. Uh, I think the the first thing that I realized that as the leader, I am I am dealing with 4,200 employees and about 20,000 students, and they rely on my decisions, and I better learn how to control myself and to understand what the magnitude of this issue is and how do I rely on reliable individuals and surround myself with wise individuals and ask them questions and, and inform everybody and be very open and transparent in everything that we do and make sure that people are not panicked so that we can focus towards the goal because our ultimate goal was educating the kids. And I think we did a magnificent job in that regard, Steve, finishing the semester and, and having our commencement virtually, it really was very successful. And I really think it was because of the way that we approached this thing. Stayed back, looked at the fact, looked at the science, listened to the expert, and made decision based on the interest of the students and the safety of our people at home in, in the heart. Dr. Hushman, as leaders, whether it's a small organization like ours or a huge university like yours, there's fear, there's anxiety, there's things that we feel. Are, are we not supposed to let our people know <laughs> that we're feeling it too? Meaning they, they need to see confidence in us. They need to see he or she's got it together. But in our heart of hearts, sometimes at night, I'll admit, maybe not you, Ollie, but sometimes I'm like, how am I going to make that budget? How am I going to make this payroll? And if you show that fear to people, doesn't it create more anxiety for them? Well, it depends how you project the, 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 that information or called fear. By transparency, I mean that you need to tell everybody the totality of the problem. So people, we are all in the same boat and this boat is going in one direction. We can put all, all, all of our energy to get to the other side as soon as possible. And here are the facts. And I make this decision for this reason, this decision for this reason, or I want you to come into the tent and help me make that decision. And to the extent that you bring people into the tent and make them feel that they're part of that, that's decision-making, you reduce that anxiety because everybody gets to own that problem. But if you sit in the corner of your own office and make decision on the life of 4,200 employees without informing them, and suddenly out of the blue come and says, Ali Hushman said such and such, that, of course, it creates anxiety. It creates anger. And I wouldn't be surprised if they would, they would be very sure. angry. So that's really the key, Steve. To me, at the time of disaster, the number one issue is transparency. Be as open as possible. Don't try to hide things because people are way too smart, they'll figure you out. Be open, say, say like it is, and then deal with the problem. I think that has always been our approach at all. But one more thing on this. You've always been an optimistic person. And I don't mean optimistic in the sense that you have a fairy tale idea about how things are gonna be resolved. You're a problem solver. And it seems to me that you have the confidence to be positive enough to say, even if you don't know the answer today, you'll figure it out tomorrow. How important is it to be, quote, optimistic in the face of such a difficult global pandemic that affects all of us, no matter where we are or what we do? 
Well, in my opinion, the one of the most important qualities of a leader is at the time of disaster to be optimistic because the smart leaders have to recognize that during the disaster, the overwhelming majority of the population are focusing on the issue of the disaster. If you recognize then what the opportunities are and take advantage of them, you can leapfrog your organization. And that's why you need to step back while you always try to find right people to manage your organization and deal with the immediate solution. You have to rise up and look at the bigger picture. Where is the world going? What are the opportunities? How can I now focus the university in that direction? That to me is critical because if you lose that opportunity, then you become basically a follower. And I do not want Rowan to ever become a follower. Every time I listen to you, talk with you, Dr. Hushman, I learn something new and I'm not alone. I'm sure everyone listening and watching right now did as well as as well. Listen, uh, Dr. Ali Hushman, president at Rowan University. Thank you, my friend, for being with us. Always a pleasure, Steve. Thank you. You got it. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is brought to you by Gibbons PC, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825. NJM Insurance Company has been serving New Jersey policyholders for more than 100 years. But just who are NJM's policyholders? They're the men and women who teach our children, the public sector employees who maintain our infrastructure, the workers who craft our manufactured goods, and New Jersey's next generation of leaders, the people who make our state a great place to call home. NJM, we've got New Jersey covered. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com.